Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast, live from Vegas. This is fantastic because usually I'm 3,000 miles away from Miles Simmons, and now I'm 3,000 centimeters away from Miles Simmons. This is kind of cool. Miles, how are you? I'm doing well, Peter. You know, we are early in the week in Vegas, which is probably why I am still doing well. You know, if you ask me this Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, Sunday night, I might be a little bit different. You know, but for now, you know, it's, it's been all right, man. I'm, I'm enjoying things so far. So let me give you a little scene here in Vegas. So the hotel that we're in, the Mandalay Bay, is literally right across the street from Allegiant Stadium. I'm on the, is it possible I'm on the 58th floor of the hotel? I yes. think it is, yeah. So I'm on the 58th floor of this hotel, <laughs> and right. I got in the room and I opened the curtain and there is Allegiant Stadium. <laughs> it's huge. It's gigantic. It's right in front of my face. I said, man, this is incredible. And then, of course, it takes about a half hour to get there because you just can't walk anywhere in Las Vegas. You have to be in a vehicle. And when you're in a vehicle, it takes you forever to get anywhere in this town. Anyway, it's also rainy and crappy and cold and not what anybody pictured of Las Vegas. But anyway... Miles, let's talk about our podcast today. We have a good guest. We've got Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears. I recorded something with him Monday night at the NFL's media event on the floor of Allegiant Stadium. He was good. We talked about imagination in coaching and what makes coaching for Andy Reid so interesting. I really enjoyed it. So we're going to talk about many things in this podcast how neither of us can believe there's a super bowl in las vegas we are going to talk about my ride to work with kyle shanahan some interesting stuff that i wrote in football morning in america this week we're going to delve into a few things and i was really struck during the conversation about how close the 49ers came to not taking brock purdy because there was a lot of pressure on Shanahan to pick somebody else, other people. Uh, Mahomes channeling Tom Brady about playing forever. That was very interesting, I thought, for Monday night. And Miles and I will give you our takeaways from the Roger Goodell press conference, one of which is that is probably not going to be discussed very much. 
man, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to open the season in Brazil on a Friday night. It's pretty amazing. We're also going to talk about the game a little bit. We are going to talk about Isaiah Pacheco being a huge key for this game. And hopefully he's healthy enough to be that huge key. Will Brock Purdy be the cool customer he has always been? Because we know that Mahomes is going to be cool. The moment will not get to him. And then I want to talk about something that uh, I talked a little bit to Kyle Shanahan about. But in general, you know, is is Brock Purdy being picked at number 262 and being so good so fast going to change the way that people scout and analyze quarterbacks in the NFL. So we're going to get get to all that. And, Miles, I think I just would like to start and ask you this sort of gee whiz question. Oh boy. Because you're younger than I am. People really can't tell by looking at us, but <laughs> you are younger than I am. And I feel still, as we sit here right now in Super Bowl week, on Radio Row, or whatever that's called, at our studio set here at the Super Bowl, I just can't believe that the Super Bowl's in Las Vegas. Doesn't it seem bizarre to you that the NFL, which decried gambling until about seven years ago, right, six or seven years ago, that finally there's a Super Bowl? And not only that, but the owners in the NFL saying it's going to be part of the regular rotation. It's just, I'm incredulous about it, honestly. You know, Peter, I kind of love it that it's here. You know, I I lived here briefly when I was covering the Raiders uh, in 2020, and you could feel the excitement for something like this to happen. I mean, not just with the Raiders being in town and all that, but this is a town that knows how to put on a big event. And I think that there is no bigger event in American sports than the Super Bowl, right? And so I think it's a natural fit from that standpoint. But Also, when you think about just the gambling element, right, and and the different problems that the NFL has had with that, both with league employees and with players, and how, you know, they've had to suspend players, right, for for gambling. They've had, as Roger Goodell said during his press conference on Monday, they've had to fire league employees for different uh, violations of the gambling policy. And we are staying in Mandalay Bay, right? And when you get dropped off in an Uber, you have to walk through the casino, in order to get to the freaking lobby to check in. That's the kind of thing where you're, you're juxtaposing this one issue with the other, and you're saying, like, wow, that's a little bit bizarre. But in the event sense, it just it seems to be working at least so far, you know? I think that the, most, the thing that really slaps me in the face about this, and look, I don't watch a lot of full football games on television because if I'm home, I'm watching the red zone. Uh, and, and I've got another game or two on different screens, but I'm mostly watching red zone. But when you watch a football game, if you are living in the United States, you are bombarded by advertisements for gambling. Absolutely. And on pregame show, postgame show, shows during the oh. week, everything, you're bombarded with this. And you realize, you know, there's an NFL-themed, you know, slot machine out there. Yeah. You know, and so, you you know, look, 
I can be Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino and say, get off my lawn, which I do about a lot of things. And I do think we are going to hell in a handbasket with all of the gambling. But? But it, it is what it is. Yeah. In the immortal words of that great philosopher, Bill Belichick, <laughs> it is what it is. And so we all have to either accept it or go watch ballet. And so I think that is the bargain right now. If you're going to watch football, you're going to get, they're going to plead with you to please gamble. I would argue it's not just watching football. Peter, I mean, you, you watch any program at, at this juncture, right? And, and you're going to be inundated with sports betting ads. And, I mean, because I live in California, it's a little bit less. But still. You don't you have know? legalized sports gambling there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will you? I think eventually, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You know, why, they why, it. why not yet? Well, there were two ballot initiatives that were um, on the ballot, uh, as I use the same word twice, uh, either last year or two years ago. And neither one got enough to pass. Mm. Um, so, and it was one of those things where it was couched in, you know, oh, yeah, this is going to help this issue rather than just being about legalized sports gambling. And I think that if they had done it that way, then things may have been a little bit different. But I think, look, as you said, this is the way that it's heading, right? The freight train is rolling right. down the track. Yep. And I don't know what anybody really can do to stop that. I guess, I guess the way I look at this, honestly, right now is I, I understand what it is. There are some things that are totally beyond your control, which this is. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy the game. And I'm going to rail against this stuff probably after the game, some before the game. But when the game happens... I'm really kind of excited about this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk about the game itself in the second part, but I wanted to go over just a few things. Uh, In case you uh, have not seen my column this week, Football Morning in America, first of all, shame on you. But (laughs) secondly, I rode to work one day last week with Kyle Shanahan um, through the southern points of Silicon Valley and one of the things that we talked about at great length, in fact, he said, I'm glad you asked me that question. One of the things we talked about was, did you really try to get Tom Brady as your quarterback this year? And he said, yeah. He said, I was, I was very serious about it. I wanted him. And he said, you, you need to understand something about this. And like I, he said, I said this to Brock, you know. If you weren't hurt, this would be a moot point. But he said, I sat with Brock Purdy, and he's sitting there with his arm in a sling. Now understand, at the moment that he had the conversation with Brock Purdy, which was probably about 48 weeks ago, think about it. Remember, Jimmy Garoppolo was leaving, you know, in free agency. He was going to go. So they had Trey Lance. They had Brock Purdy. And when you think about it, Trey Lance on December 30th had his second ankle surgery. Mm -hmm. And they weren't sure after he had a a very bad break of the ankle early in the season. So he was gone uh, for the year. And the fact that he had the second ankle surgery was not a good sign. Anyway, they then lose Brock Purdy. (coughs) to the 
elbow surgery. And just remember this. He did not have his elbow operated on until March 10th. Right. And if you think about it, March 10th is exactly six months to the day from the start of the 2023 season. So he looked at Purdy and he basically said, listen, I got to look out for this franchise. And if we can get Brady to come in, I think we need to do that because we it'd be good. And you get the sense, although I did not ask him to describe Purdy's feelings about this. I bet somebody must have last night at this these media things. But so I but you assume that Purdy was a little disappointed by this because he thought he had done enough, you know, to be the guy. But I thought it was really interesting what Shanahan said to him and he said just think how great it would be for your career if you could look back eight, ten years from now and look back to Brock Purdy having worked for one year and taken all this information from Tom Brady. It would be pretty cool for you. So, anyway, I think that's the story. I don't think it's very nefarious. Yeah. I think it's kind of logical to me. But the fact is, Brady said no. And then they turned to plan E, you know, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. And, they, and they like having Darnold. Don't get me wrong and, and all that. But I don't know. How did it hit you, Miles? When you're, I assume you read that stuff in my column. Yes. How, did you, how did it hit you, Shanahan's reasoning and what he did in this case? I, I, I thought it made sense, Peter. I mean... If you have a chance to get Tom Brady and you passed on Tom Brady a couple years before, right, which we know Tom Brady wanted to play for the 49ers, his hometown team, and they passed on him, um, then it does make sense to at least check and see if Tom Brady would like to play for you. And, you know, Brock Purdy did really, really well in 2022 and I don't think that's in dispute but because of the surgery right because he was not healthy that I think does lend itself to saying all right well yeah let's go see if this is a possibility for us and I remember talking to Kyle Shanahan at the owners meetings last year sort of it was a couple weeks after that March 10th date where he'd had the surgery and it's kind of like well you know if Brock Purdy is healthy then XYZ right and they didn't know if Brock Purdy was going to be healthy or not so that's part of why they then had to go out and get Sam Darnold and why they like the contract structure of all these different types of things where you're not paying, you know, your quarterbacks all that much money when it comes down to it. You know, Brock Purdy, it's the lowest rookie level that you can possibly be at. And then Sam Darnold comes in and takes a low level deal as well. And at that point, they still had Trey Lance. But it it was so many things were in flux for the 49ers at that point that I it's almost a little bit of coaching and GM malpractice. If you don't check in with Tom Brady, knowing that he might have interest in joining your franchise. Yeah, and I think what it came down to for Brady, look, I'm just going to guess about this because I've not talked to Brady. uh, and, And I don't think necessarily that Kyle Shanahan can read his mind. But I think what it came down to for Brady... Uh, if, if I were going to predict, is that he had basically sacrificed so much to play football for mm-hmm. so long and sacrificed a lot of family things to play football. And at some point, could Tom Brady have still thrown a football 
and been healthy enough, he might have even made it through a whole season. Could he have done it? Probably. But I think deep down inside, he said, look, at some point, I got to get on with the rest of my life. I got to be a dad. I got to, you know. So anyway, that's just my gut feeling. I, again, I don't know. But, but anyway, there's one other thing about this whole story that fascinates me. Shanahan told me the story of being in the draft room on day three in 2022 and how they had put a fourth-round grade on Brock Purdy. But he said, we weren't taking a quarterback because all of these, we had expended so much draft capital to go get Trey Lance that we can't then, the next year, in a year where we don't have a lot of picks, pick a quarterback. It's just not right. And he understood that. But then, seventh round comes around, and here's Brock Purdy. And Shanahan loves Brock Purdy. He's watched a lot of tape on him, really, really loves him. And he starts talking about him. And he told me he immediately started getting feedback from the other, some other coaches. Look at this linebacker. He, you know, this guy could start for us. Look yeah. at this running back. We need a running back. This, this guy, this guy, all, this, all these needs. And finally, John York, Dr. York, the, uh, I think he's called the chair of the team. He used to be the owner of the team. Now Jed York is, you know, runs the show. But John York said to him, what are we talking about here? You know, and he said, who's the best player on the board right now? This is with maybe six or eight picks left. Who's the best player? And Kyle said, oh, there's no question. Purdy's the best player. Why are we having this argument? Why are we having this discussion? Just pick the guy. And the pick came up. And to the chagrin, I can tell you, of several others in that room who probably will never want to be outed now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't think so. You know, they, they, they ended up picking uh, Brock Purdy. And I think the moral of the story is, quite honestly, that if you have a conviction on a player, even if you don't necessarily need him, you should pick him. And, Miles, there's one other part of this story that I sense. It was not what Shanahan said. It's just what I sensed. They were losing Garoppolo. And I think, this is what I think, that they were pretty far down the road on thinking that Trey Lance wasn't the answer, hmm. even if he came back healthy. Hmm. And so I think they felt like, we're probably going to need a quarterback. So anyway, it turned out to be good for them. They signed Darnold. He became a good backup for them this year. And so, look, the rest is history. But I thought that was really interesting, Kyle Shanahan being fairly open and sharing it. And I think, quite honestly, I got the impression I'm glad to get this out in the open. Yeah. Because I don't want people thinking that, oh, I don't think Purdy's good enough. He said that had nothing to do with it. Right. He said, I love Brock Purdy. He's going to be our quarterback for a long time. But I just had to make sure that we were going to be able to play winning football. And, Miles, I thought of this. Could you imagine if Brady said yes? And, and you know, and still, because at the start of this year, Purdy was not totally healthy. And you're not bringing in Brady to back up Brock Purdy. Certainly not. So, 
Can you imagine Tom Brady in a 49er uniform running onto the field at Acrisure Stadium on September 10th and getting chased around by T.J. Watt and, <laughs> and, and, you know, Cam Hayward and all those guys? That would have been a scene. It would have been, it would have been really, really incredible, but... Anyway. Well, they'd probably still be here, and we'd still be talking about them because they would. I mean, you know, if they have Brady, but just think, they, what? but just think, just yeah. think. I'm all for the ageless Tom Brady. It's an incredible story. I get it. Um, but would Tom Brady playing in this Super Bowl at age 46 years and six months? At some point, <laughs> the guy is going to age out. You would think, right? Uh, yes, but I don't know. He, he goes back to the Fountain of Youth, and he plays for another franchise. It's the home. T- I mean, like, what do we talk about with the 49ers all the time is the talent, right, <laughs> and the scheme and the coaching and all these yeah. different things. I, I find it hard to believe that even as poor as things looked at points, right, during the 2022 season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that Tom Brady would not have found a ton of success in the 2023 season if he had ended up playing for the 49ers. I think he would have. There's no doubt about it. Miles, let's move on and talk about Patrick Mahomes on Monday night here at the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes basically saying, I'm going to play for 100 years. I'm going to be Methuselah, just like Brady (laughs) and all that. He said, I'm not even halfway done. I'm not even close to halfway done. But first of all, two things struck me. Number one, how many quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, look up at Brady and maybe not idolize him, but really model their careers after him? You know what I was told when I covered the Ravens, I don't know, three weeks ago, they were playing Houston. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I was hanging around after the game talking to a few people, and one of the guys with the Ravens said, you realize that Lamar idolizes Tom Brady. I said, I didn't know that. Hmm. He goes, he idolizes Brady. He wants to be like Brady. He wants to have a career like Brady. Well, who doesn't want to have a career like Brady? But he thinks that is what all quarterbacks should aim for. But it struck me that after the overtime loss in Kansas City, Remember the incredible story this would have been now four years, five years ago. The incredible story about Brady finding Mahomes and them sitting together for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. alone after that heartbreaking loss for Mahomes and after Brady, you know, brought the Patriots back, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, what I found really, really interesting about that is that that those words from Brady about, to, to Mahomes, you do things the right way. You're great for this game. He was very inspired by Mahomes because I spent time with Brady after that game, and I can tell you he loved Mahomes, loved him, still does. So I think that Mahomes, it's amazing. There's been nobody the first six years as a starter who's gotten to the championship game every year, and who has been in the Super Bowl four times in those six years. In fact, you actually have to go, you know, if you're watching us on the pod right now, you can see that it's a pretty good comparison right now between Patrick Mahomes and Brady. You know, 72 wins for Mahomes in the regular season, 70 for Brady. Uh, 
you know, 14 and three in the playoffs for Mahomes, 12 and two for Brady. It's just these guys are two peas in a pod. And I've gotten to know Mahomes a little bit. I don't know him the way I knew Brady, but I've gotten to know him a little bit, and he really has a lot of Brady in him. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, in order to do the kinds of things that Patrick Mahomes has done, you can't not have that type of killer competitive gene that Tom Brady, I think, obviously had throughout the course of his career. And it was very clear early on, you know, when he was starting for the Patriots, and it was certainly clear to the end of his career um, with the Buccaneers. I think the more interesting thing to me is, like, when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes and now – uh, like just last night with the whole booze that were coming in from the crowd. And like yeah. some of that was 49ers fans. Some of it certainly Raiders fans here in Las Vegas. And that's the Chiefs biggest rival. But how the Chiefs have kind of embraced that, you know, where it was, oh, wow, the Chiefs are <coughs> this new upstart team. They've never been this good before. Da, 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 da. That was only a few years ago. And now it's, mm, I think I'm a little bit tired of the Chiefs. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, particularly last night, seemed to take a little bit of motivation from that. You know, like, okay, guys are going to boo us. That's fine. We're still going to be here. We're still going to play. And we're still going to try to do our best to win. And that just seems to up that competitive gene that much more. I mean, that, that I think, had a lot to do with their playoff success this year, Peter. You know, they never had to go on the road. And I think kind of having that new challenge – of going up to Buffalo to defeat the Bills and then going to Baltimore and playing in those hostile environments, it just it seemed to do a little bit something to their play where that competitive edge, it just sharpened itself that much more, and that's a big reason why they are in the Super Bowl now. Miles, I want to just end our first segment with talking a little bit about Roger Goodell and the press conference on Monday here in Vegas Three big takeaways. Number one, I was really surprised. 25 NFL employees have been disciplined, dismissed for violating the league's gambling policy. I don't know about you, but that's a lot. That seemed to me to be a lot. That's one thing. Second thing, we talked about it a little bit at, at the top. Honestly... It's amazing that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to open their season, not only on Friday night, but they're going to open their season in Brazil. I find that really, really interesting, and I like it. Uh, I'm very bullish on overseas football. And then finally, I thought it was interesting, and I don't know how whether you'd call it, fascinating or anything like that but I thought it was really interesting about how Goodell talking about it's very politically correct to say oh we're not satisfied where we are in minority coach hiring but I I think I think the NFL is concerned with the fact that the pipeline of good Minority candidates right now has not reached the offensive coordinator level. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, there are no minority offensive coordinators as of now, and that is something that I think the NFL really needs to address. But what hit you coming out of there, Miles? And, and what, at the end of it, what did you think the big headline was? Well, I think certainly the Brazil game to start the season for the Eagles, it's, that's something that, you know... <laughs> 
it's a huge deal. I mean, A, you're playing on a Friday night. B, you're playing an international game in week one, which is not something that we've seen. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it just makes a lot of things different. Um, but I think the, the diversity in coaching issue is something that also struck me, especially when Roger Goodell said, I think the Rooney rule needs to be around for the foreseeable future, right? And, you know, there was, uh, let's call it good progress on the minority hiring front in, yeah. this year in uh, the head coaching cycle where you had multiple minorities hire. There are now nine minority head coaches, which is good. Um, but as you said, Peter, that, that pipeline for offensive coordinator to head coach that's something where certainly the league as a whole needs to improve. And it's also not necessarily on the league. And I always think of it this way, right? The, the individual teams have to make the decisions to hire individual coaches for these particular roles. And if team owners, team head coaches are not going to do that, then that's going to be a bigger issue that then comes up to the league. But it it's one of those things that has to start at the team level and improve from there. So... I, it's one of those things where, yeah, how do you solve it? I don't quite know yeah. exactly initially, but you want to get more talented coaches into that pipeline, expand the reach of um, where you're getting candidates from, which is part of what uh, the league has done uh, with the pipeline, the accelerator program, right, where you bring in different candidates and have them get to know owners and all that for GMs and head coaches. So there are ways that the league can address this. But I, I did think Roger Goodall saying that the Rooney Rule should be around for the foreseeable future, that's important, I think, to the league as yeah, a whole. Yeah. Miles, we're going to take our first break. Uh, but when we come back, I want to explain, first of all, why I really wanted to seek out Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator uh, in Kansas City. But I wanted to seek him out because they ran a play called Heisman against the Patriots in December that I think says so much about who the Kansas City Chiefs are. We will come back with Matt Nagy. You'll hear from him on why they ran this play. Then the back half of our pod, we're actually going to talk about the Super Bowl. And we'll be back after this. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. All right, Matt, one of the things that impresses me about what Kansas City does on offense is when everything isn't firing on every cylinder, you guys figure something out. Mm -hmm. You do something different. You do something new. And I was in New England in December, 
and you guys pulled out a play that looked absolutely bizarre with Patrick Mahomes down in a three-point stance he set for the first time since he was at the scouting combine. Sure. And Jarek McKinnon takes the snap. Just a weird, weird play. So where did the play come from, and how did you figure it out to do that? Yeah, you know what? It's a great question. And number one to your your first part of the question is we love just trying to have fun with these guys. And then, you know, you have a play that they've never seen before being New England. You know, we've never put that on tape. They're not drawing it up on their cards uh, in practice. And we, in the meantime, have been practicing that play for weeks. We've had it in to practice it, and, and we joke about it. And Andy it. never called it. He never called it. He just uh, – and, and that's a lot of plays that Coach does over all the years where it might look good that one week, but we've had it in the playbook for five, six, seven, eight, nine weeks. We call it the incubator. So we just let it kind of grow, and then when Coach feels it's right, he brings it out. And, and that play in general – Again, um, you know, we called it uh, Heisman, and, and you went through as to as to why, but it's something that we had in the archives um, in a little file folder that we have a video uh, of, of, of the, uh, I think it was the 1941 Penn team. It was okay, around but, that. But, but how do you look for those? Yeah, so there, there's a way. You'd be surprised, Peter, over all the years of different ways in film that we can dig into and try to find. And it was one of the ones where we have several plays, uh, lots of clippings, lots of time of different ones. Some are a little bit outrageous that you just you just can't make work. But this one, we all got together and looked at it, and we said, you know what, I think we might be able to do something with this. And so when you present it to coach and he looks at it, you know he you know he loves it, and if it, if he likes it, it's going to have a shot. You let the players put a little spin to it. As you know, they went and put Creed at center. Or, excuse me, or uh, Joe, uh, Tooney, Joe Tooney at center. Because it was in Foxborough. That's right. Give them a little reward That's in right. Foxborough. Yes, yeah. yes. So little things like that, the players put their spin on it, and then it usually. But let me ask you that. That's an interesting thing. Joe Tooney, who hasn't played center for four or five years. Right. And you were at the goal line in Foxborough. Things are not going great at that point right. offensively for you guys. So are you a little concerned that he's going to snap it over Jarek McKinnon's head? You know what? Not really because of the amount of times we practiced it okay. over all the weeks. And so if the play is in the game plan, coach is going to let it go. I mean, if he if he likes it, if it's on that game call sheet, he's going to call it. You know, and, and so uh, – uh, that's what he did, and then, and then, of course, you always want it to work. You, you, you hold your breath that nothing's going to happen bad to it because if it works, now you're able to kind of explain and bring up new plays like that that the players believe in and they have conviction with and, it. And the play was McKinnon gets the snap, and he shovel passes it. Yeah. It's actually called a pass, yeah. even though it was just like an extended hand. That's all it really was. He shovel passes it, and it's a touchdown. It's like the old school single wing, you know, the yeah. the, the Sally at seven or the the uh, little bit of the wing tee in there. So, and when something like that happens, and you're watching, how much of a reward is it for the work that you guys do as a staff? It, it, you know what it. it, it it means a lot to the coaching staff because we put a lot of time into trying to, you know, have a little fun with some of these plays wherever it's at, whatever situation. And you always want it to work, but when it works like that and they're a little bit confused and they're not sure and they, you know they haven't seen it, now, um, like I said, it gives you a little bit more credibility on the beginning of the week when you first install a play like that yeah. to the players and they're thinking, what the heck are we putting in here? So when they see it work, it gives us some credibility. I was covering the Dolphins once this year and – Mike McDaniel told me a story about a play that he really wanted to play with that orbit motion mm -hmm. back around the quarterback. And instead of continuing the orbit motion, the tight end, Durham Smythe, stopped and he just blocked. 
and the receiver, it turns out, was wide open, mm-hmm. and they scored a touchdown. And he said the first 11 times we tried it, it didn't work. Right. But he had so much in the bank with the players that they said, okay, well, you know, if they think this is going to work, it's probably going to work. And it did work, and it was a walk-in touchdown. How much do you have to gain the trust of your players for plays like that to be trusted by them? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, it all honestly, it all comes down to that. The players have to trust the play because they're ultimately the ones that make it work. And, you know, you'll see times where we might put in a play like that and all of a sudden, um, or a certain play that, that a, a player runs the wrong route, uh, and this might not be a crazy play, just a normal play where a player runs the wrong route, and all of a sudden you look at it and you say, you know what, that might actually be a pretty good concept. And so sometimes you stumble into those, but when you put these plays in, and like you said with Coach McDaniel, some of the stuff he has and these other coaches around the league, um, the players usually have fun with it. It's unique. It's different. They want to be that guy that's in that orbit motion. They want to be that guy that's doing the shovel pass and the wing tee. Um, and then the O-linemen, they get a lot of the credit, too, on that play in the Heisman because there's some unique blocking going on there, yeah. you know, some misdirection. So uh, I think in the end you want it to be fun, and it was fun. Just my one other question about that. What is it about your staff and Andy in particular that you seem to generate a lot of these really imaginative plays? And what sort of direction do you get from Andy about those? Well, first of all, it starts with Coach Reed. Um, he's as creative of a human being and coach as there is in the NFL. I mean, he loves it, you know. He loves it. So he he knows that it's Pandora's box for the rest of us coaches. If you have a good idea, a good thought, a good play, you bring it into him, and it needs to make sense. And if it makes sense, he doesn't care. Let's let's put it in. Like, that's that's the beauty of Coach Reed. Is um, And he's always been that way. This isn't something that just has happened over the last five years with Patrick. He's been this way for a long time. And so it gives you as a coach the ability to say, hey, maybe we go find this play or that play, put it in, present it to coach, and if he likes it, now you get to kind of put your name on it and, and, and have a little fun with it. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Corn Dog last year. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. you had this incredible – you ran it twice, in essence, on both sides sure. of the field. Kadarius, Tony, and Sky Moore. And it must make you guys – at 4.30 in the morning or whatever, a little bit excited to go to work. Well, here's the other part, too, Peter, is you just – that corn dog play, Coach Coach Reed was probably eating a corn dog when we named it. Yeah. You know? So um, we, that's the other part of this is there's some there's some interesting conversations of what we want to call a play, and that's always, that's always the fun part, too. You realize that after this game on Sunday, if you win, I'm going to want to know what happened – on the play that was so weird that you've never seen before. <laughs> you hold that. You hold us to that. Yeah, you hold yeah. us to that. You know that. Hey, listen. Good luck on Sunday. Thanks a lot, Peter. Appreciate it. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience, while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. 
That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. <laughs> oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. So we're back, Miles, and let's talk about a few game elements to Super Bowl 58. The one thing that I'm really interested in is, and we'll talk about Brock Purdy certainly in this, but I'm interested in the role of Isaiah Pacheco because what I see when I look at this game is I see a very physical defense uh, for San Francisco trying to really get after Patrick Mahomes. Nick Bosa had a great line that he said last week. He said the key to this game, and Kyle has told us, is defensive stamina, Hmm. meaning that they're going to have to chase Mahomes. Mm -hmm. But I believe it's also going to be hitting Isaiah Pacheco behind the line and making sure that Pacheco, who really is one of the most physical backs in the NFL, does not control the game with his physicality. I think that Pacheco is huge in this game. I would agree with you, especially given what the 49ers looked like against the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship game in that first half. They, they couldn't stop a nosebleed, let alone the run. Right. Uh, almost 150 rushing yards given up to the Lions in the first half of that game. So if the Chiefs come out and control the game in that way, then that's going to really be bad news for the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, you, you cannot let the Chiefs run all over you like that. But if you're the Chiefs, that's exactly what you want to do because, frankly, Peter— if the Chiefs go up 17 on the 49ers, this is not going to be a repeat of the NFC Championship game. right? That Chiefs defense is way too good for that. So I think it's not just stamina. Sure, that, that, that makes sense to me, but it's coming out and being way more physical at the point of attack than the 49ers were in that last game that they played. And to that point, I mean, that might have been a silver lining to that, right? It's one of those things where you can't just say, oh, well, we're gonna, we, we've got all this talent up front. We're going to be good. We're going to do this. We're going to do that when you just got embarrassed in the first half of your last game. So I, I, I would expect that San Francisco is going to come out and be physical. But if they're not, boy, it's, this one could get interesting. Miles, one of the most interesting parts of this game, I think, Everybody talks about Brock Purdy. Oh, last pick in the draft. Man, it's amazing he's in the Super Bowl. Oh, of course it is. It's stunning. It really is. But just remember one other thing. He's the 262nd pick in the draft. The 251st pick in the draft, Isaiah Pacheco. There we go. And I find uh, his ascension so quickly on this team to be just a great, great example of Andy Reid and Brett Veach practicing what they preach. Because one of the things that Andy Reid tells his team, and look, he's not the only coach who does this, but Andy Reid tells his team early in training camp, okay, there's 90 of you guys here. I don't care how you got here. Yeah, I'm keeping the best 53. And we'll add a few to the practice squad. But if you're one of the best 53, I guarantee you, you will make this team. Yeah. 
and all you have to do is look at a bunch of the low picks he's used and look at how Isaiah Pacheco basically passed Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like that. Yeah, yeah. And so that, when players see that their coach treats the roster like that, players love that. Mm -hmm. They love that because nobody... It's a meritocracy. Yeah. Nobody gets a reward for being a first-round draft pick. You know, I remember you know, <coughs> going through things last year uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs in training camp. There are a couple people I know in Kansas City and whatnot, and they kept saying, man, this is 10. This is Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah. He's something. Yeah. You know, and if you knew that even then in training camp, it, it was one of those things where it did not take long to notice on the field. I mean, you said it. You know, he surpassed Clyde Edwards-Alaire on that depth chart pretty easily, you know, yeah. and it's just the way he runs, the physicality that he runs with it, it brings a different kind of attitude to the Chiefs that they hadn't necessarily had with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So that's going to be something really to watch in this yeah. game. Um, let's go to the other side of the ball in San Francisco. I think that one of the impressions I have is that Brock Purdy is not a guy who gets overcome by the moment. He's played in a lot of big games. And, Miles, I have kind of said this because George Kittle actually is the one who made this point to me. I said to Kittle during the season in 2022, when late in the season, rather, when Purdy was emerging, I said... I think so much of this has to do with the fact that Brock Purdy started 46 games in a Power 5 conference. Mm-hmm. That's, that's huge. Yeah. And Kittle said, but remember one thing about that. He started 46 games in a Power 5 conference for a team that wasn't very good. And so a lot of times he's the underdog. Yeah. And so that becomes something that really, really helps you. You have nothing handed to you. You have to go out. You're playing in front of 100,000 people in Austin, Texas, and 90,000 people in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're playing all these great teams. And, and, so, and so he's got to fight all the time to, be, to, you know, to try to win these games. And I think that's really helped him coming into the NFL because – Clearly, every team you're going to face is pretty good. And in the NFL, you are going to obviously get chased and hit by bigger and better quality athletes. So I think that has really helped Brock Purdy, what happened to him in college. But again, he has been very cool. He's not been overcome by moments so far. But Miles, you know, this is the Super Bowl. And I wonder... We don't have any questions about a question about Mahomes. Yeah. Okay, because he's shown it over and over and over it's old, again. It's old hat to him. He has a Super Bowl routine. Yeah, now. I know. He talked about that. That like, was, uh, yeah, Super Bowl routine. Six That's years right. in, Super Bowl routine. Okay, so let me ask you this. Do you think the moment will get to Brock Purdy? I don't know if it's going to be the moment or if it's just going to be the opponent. I, I yeah. mean, look, think about what Brock Purdy did in that playoff game against the Green Bay Packers where he looked real bad for most of the game and then turned it on when he had to in the, at the end of the fourth quarter, got them down the field and scored. I mean, he didn't look great in the first half of right. the NFC Championship game against the Lions either. 
So that's another part of it. But what he's been able to do is at my old high school football coach used to say, okay, we cancel check. Like if something bad happens, cancel check, whatever, we move on to the next thing. And that's what he does. And I think Brock Purdy does a great job of that. So I think even if the Chiefs get up early, right, if if they hold it to like 10 points and they're down 10, like I don't think that the 49ers have to worry about what Brock Purdy's state of mind is going to be in that case. He's shown that he can lead you to a comeback. However, when you're going up against Steve Spagnuolo defense, that makes things a little bit different, right? Look, think about all the great plays that the Chiefs have made defensively, great timely plays in this postseason. They're not going to have Charles Minnehue. That's going to be significant. Yeah. But still got Chris Jones leading that defensive line. Still, still got Legereus Sneed leading that secondary, along with Reed and all those great guys. Like, I, I just think that that's going to be a tough matchup for yeah. Brock Purdy. You just used a phrase in here that I think some people who are watching or listening or experiencing this podcast will not understand. You used the phrase, canceled check. (laughs) And I don't know. Hey, look, so I'm 66 years old. I still write checks. I pay the phone bill out of my checkbook. You do? I pay the, and I don't, I don't, I don't. You don't have that thing on auto pay, man? Like, no. Let me I, introduce I, you to that. You can, it'll make your life a lot easier. Why? Like, it just, it just happens? Yeah. It just, it just, it's like the opposite of direct deposit. It just, they just take it from your account. You don't have to think about it. It just, one of those things. Well, I actually, I pay my rent in checks still because I live in an old apartment building and that's just the way they do it. But that's the only reason why. I've needed to use a check in the last, I don't know, five I'm years. I'm going to have to tell Ian King we don't have to pay with a check anymore to Verizon. <laughs> I'm going to have to tell her that. Hey, Miles told me you could get it automatically taken out of our account. <laughs> yeah. you, you pay your cable bill in checks? Still, no way. <laughs> I mean, like it's, okay. it's a brand new world out there. It is a new world. Ever heard of uh, an uh, Apple Watch? Yeah. <laughs> No, I, you know, we had an interesting talk about the Apple Watch before. But anyway, um, Miles, one other question I want to ask you, and this is a 10,000 feet above the game question. So we're looking at it from your hotel room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my, my question is, do you think, because I've got some thoughts on this, I want to hear you first. Do you think that the success of Brock Purdy is going to change the way that some teams in the NFL evaluate quarterbacks going forward. Are they going to look at size necessarily less? Are they going to look at experience necessarily more? And I'll also ask you this question. I'm going to go back to Trey Lance's senior year in high school at Marshall High School in Marshall, Minnesota. Marshall, Minnesota excuse me. <coughs> and I am going to tell you something that will surprise you. Okay. And that is that in the seven years stretching back to his senior year in high school, he's thrown fewer passes in those seven years than Patrick Mahomes has thrown this year. <coughs> and so... The only reason I bring that up is that, think about it, and it's an odd thought to have, but Brock Purdy has thrown a jillion passes in his last six or seven years. And I 
honestly think that teams are going to look at the really experienced quarterbacks in college football who play at the highest level of college football, and they're going to say, let's look at this guy a little bit different. Give me your thoughts. Well, my first thought is Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who came in for the Browns and didn't look nearly as polished as Brock Purdy did. And he also had something like 50 starts for UCLA over the course of his college career. So I don't don't think that's one predictive element. I I think quarterbacks, and and this is maybe 30,000 feet in like life, wherever you go is also really going to determine the kind of career that you have. Right? I mean, who knows what would have happened if Donovan McNabb, say, doesn't go to the Eagles in 1999. He goes to the Browns. And Tim Couch goes to the Eagles instead. Right? What, what kind of Totally per- fascinating. Right. I mean, what kind of career are we talking about with Tim Couch? Right? What kind of career are we talking about with Donovan McNabb? I, I don't know. Um, but I think that Tim Couch going to the Browns and going to an absolute turd situation certainly did not help him over the course of his career. So I think from that standpoint, whether it's Andrew Luck, whether it's Robert Griffin III, whether it's Caleb Williams, Brock Purdy, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes goes number one overall in 2017, goes to the Cleveland Browns, are we talking about Patrick Mahomes as one of the greatest football players of all time right now? I don't think so. I don't think so either. And I have something to add to this. Yeah. After Tom Brady's fifth year in the NFL, after the 2004 season, remember, he's drafted in 2000. So 2000, 2001, 2, 3, 4. After that season, they win the Super Bowl. And after that season, I remember having this conversation with Brady. And I said, man, you got drafted by the right team. And yes. he, goes, he goes, I think about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Because he said, what would have happened if I went to, and he named a bunch of teams. I forget what he named. He might have said the Cardinals or the Raiders. I, I forget who he said. But he said, if I had gone to Team X, if I was still in the league, I'd probably be on my third team right now. Because his point was, if you're going to be a late draft pick, you're going to be a sixth-round draft pick, your hold on a job is tenuous. Yes, And when you play, if you don't have the right coach, if you don't have the right supporting cast, you could be in a garbage situation fast. Mm -hmm. And Brady, he didn't say this, well, I might be. I'd be on my third team right now. And, and, And I think that is really, really important to realize. But there's one other factor here, and I think it goes to the personality of this player, of Brock Purdy. Yeah. Okay? And it's like I've said this on this podcast before, but I'll say it again. Never forget sitting with Brock Purdy after he rescued, when Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, uh, breaks his foot, and he's out in December of 22, and Purdy comes in and he plays great. Mm-hmm. And... I'll never forget, I sat with him for six minutes after the game, and I said, you realize your reward for this today is that your first NFL start next week is against Tom Brady. And he goes, oh, that's cool. In this tone of voice, 
Oh, that's cool. He's been playing football longer than I've been alive. And <laughs> he just doesn't get overwhelmed by the moment. And so, Miles, speaking to you, yeah. speaking to what you think, I think there's a chance Dorian Thompson-Robinson did and so get overwhelmed by moments. And I think, I think that one of the things in scouting football players who are, you think have a good chance to be a quarterback for you one day, you better make absolutely sure that mentally absolutely. they've got it. Yes. It's crucial. 100%. Yeah. And this, that's what I, I mean, and this is not really what we're talking about, but like with Caleb Williams or yeah. Drake May and the number one overall pick that the, the Bears have, right, or whoever they would want to, if they want to trade it and keep Justin Fields, you have to be absolutely convinced that that quarterback is going to be the person to lead your franchise from a physical standpoint and from a mental standpoint and from a competitive standpoint. All of those things matter so much, <laughs> and it's why the quarterback can be transformative. I mean, Joe Burrow was that transformative yeah. for the Cincinnati Bengals. Andrew Luck was that transformative as a number one overall pick for the Indianapolis Colts years back. So these, it's not easy to scout quarterbacks for that reason, and I, you, know, you don't necessarily know how different guys are going to react until they are put in certain situations, but that's why it is incumbent upon any team scouting a quarterback to figure out every little bit of information that you can and also determine whether or not that person is going to be a fit for who you are as an organization, as a coaching staff, as a front office. It, it's very complicated. We've come to that portion of the program where we're going to pick the Super Bowl winner. Oh, boy. And I want to preface my pick by explaining that before the start of this season, I picked a Philadelphia Buffalo Super Bowl. <laughs> so you should not care even remotely about my pick. Well, tell them that. Why? I, I, I stink <laughs> at picking. I did go through like a four-year period where I picked Really was good picking the Super Bowl teams. However, 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 I think I'm picking Kansas City. Okay. I just can't bet against Mahomes. Yeah. I don't bet, but I just can't pick against Mahomes. I, I, I just can't. And the one other thing is, I just, I kind of like Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah. And I think he might even be good enough in this game to challenge Mahomes for MVP Ooh. if they do win. So I don't know. That's kind of my thought. What are your thoughts? Oh, I like that. I, I like the sneaky Pacheco MVP pick. That's nice. Um, I also like the Chiefs in this game. Um, I, I just, I picked the Chiefs to win back-to-back -back Super Bowls. Now I picked them wow. to beat the Cowboys, but, you know, that, we don't have to talk about that element of it. Um, but, yeah, I think at a certain point somebody's got to win two in a row. That's part of it. Um, but I also think that the way the Chiefs have played uh, over the course of the last month, let's say, since they uh, lost to uh, the Raiders on Christmas Day, they started peaking, and they're peaking at the right time. So 
if they get the timely catch from Valdez Scantling, if Rashi Rice does what he needs to do, gets those extra yards, bounces off defenders, Travis Kelsey continues to catch everything that comes his way, and Isaiah Pacheco runs the ball the way we believe he's capable of running it, um, I think the offense will be fine. And I, I just I love the way the Chiefs' defense is playing. You know, I, I brought up the fact that Amenahue's not going to be out there, and yeah. I, I, think, I do think that's significant. That's a factor. You know, having him get that uh, strip sack on Lamar Jackson, even though they didn't score off of it, that, that was a big play that uh, the Chiefs had in that game um, in Baltimore. But I don't know. It just it feels to me like this is the Chiefs' time, and they're going to enter their villain era as you know, winning three Super Bowls uh, or with Patrick Mahomes in six they're years. entering their anti-hero. Oh, yeah, it's even better. Yeah. It's even Rooting better. for the anti-hero. Oh! <laughs> All right. Um, so, Miles Simmons, we'll be back next week to dissect everything. And uh, after San Francisco wins 49-7. to Yes, of course. To basically <laughs> explain how messed up we were. Miles, great being with you. Thanks, everybody, for watching, listening to this episode of the Peter King Podcast. It's really, really great to talk to you from Las Vegas. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Peter King Podcast.